Hey, good morning. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start in Hebrews, and then we'll jump over to Genesis chapter 12 in a little bit. Uh, just a little bit of review, though. We talked about Enoch, and we talked about Noah, how they were, they were men who walked with God, and that's really kind of this life. And we're going to kind of continue that thought with a man called Abraham. We talked about him a little bit last time, but, but Noah, he, it says by faith that he built an ark to save his family. And he was also a witness to the world around him, really, by his life and also by the words that he spoke. It says that he was a preacher of righteousness. And he talked about the judgment that was coming and, and that, you know, people needed to turn back to God. And it's, it really is no different today in our world. And especially, I think, in our country, how we've turned away from following after God. So the first thing that uh, Noah does, Noah and his family, they were saved. They made it through the flood and, and they came out of the flood. And what's the first thing that Noah does? He builds an altar to Yahweh, the Lord. And you and I will talk about that in a little bit as well. So Abraham, we talked last week, and I love those verses in Romans chapter 4. Abraham is a big character in all the scripture, important person that we all need to look at and think about as an example. But last week it says there, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. In other words, when there was no hope, Abraham had hope. And that's something I think you and I need to remember, too. When we get to those places where there's just, like, there's no way. There's no hope. It's not going to happen. That's when we need to have our hope. And our hope comes from where? It comes from heaven. It comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit, as we saw. So today, uh, we're going to talk about Abraham and kind of the beginnings of his life. And, and God called this man, Abram, he was called Abram, his name was changed to Abraham, but God called him, and there's something about this man, and, and God reached down into the life of this man, and, and Abraham responded, and it says that he obeyed God, but there was this journey, so we see these two fact, factors, really, the faith of Abraham and the journey of Abraham, some people put them together, they call it the journey of faith, but I think they're, they're, they're kind of two separate things that, that go together as well. First of all, he had faith. He put his faith in God. But the journey also, the journey that, that Abraham was called to go on, it required, it required something of him. It, re, it required change. Now, I asked, I asked this a few weeks back, um, who loves change? And, and uh, one person raised their hand, Right? <laughs> The rest of us, we don't really like change, but Abraham was called, and when God called him, he, he asked some things of him. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. We'll pick it up in verse 8. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So God called this man, Abraham, it says he, he called him, and he was just one person, but he had a plan for him, and, and God works in people's lives individually, 
Out of him, this one person, God would do great things. But in Genesis 12, we're not going to turn there yet, but let me just read that to you. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. So it was a huge change. He had to leave behind his country, his people, his father's household, and he was going to go to where God called him to go. Was it a risk? Yeah. But I think more than a risk, it was a step of faith. The question is, what would Abram or Abraham do? It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, we just read it, that he obeyed and he went. He had faith. He trusted in God, that God had spoken to him, that God had given him the word to go and given him steps. So he was trusting in God. And his faith, someone said, was expressed in obedience. His faith was expressed in obedience. Now, we're not saved by obedience. We're saved by what? By grace through faith. But true faith will always express itself in obedience and in how we live. Not perfectly. As a matter of fact, David Guzik points out that Abraham's faith was not a perfect faith. You look at some of the verses in the New Testament, it talks about Abraham like this guy, he never did anything. You know, I mean, his faith was just like perfect. But when you look at the whole picture, you see Abraham, we talked about Elijah a while back. It says he was a man just like us. Well, Abraham was, was, a, was a man just like us as well. And his faith was not perfect. You know, I read to you what it said there in, in Genesis 12. It said, you know, leave your people and your father's household and go to a land that I will show you. Well, guess what Abraham did? He brought his dad with him. He brought his nephew Lot with him. And, and when, you, when you compare this to what it says in Acts chapter 7, it says that, you know, he was called to go to a place that God would send him to, which was the promised land. But they left where they were, Ur of the Chaldees, they, they stopped in a place called Haran. And it says that they stayed there until, what? Until his father died. And then he went to the promised land. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but David Guzik says it's kind of encouraging, isn't it? This man, Abraham, who's the father of faith, the father of all who believe, his faith wasn't perfect either, and he, he, you know, he did his best. And the truth of the matter is that he went. He did go. It wasn't perfect, but he went. We sometimes think, unless, it's, unless I do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. Well, you're never going to do anything if that's the case. I'll never do anything if I have to wait until I've got it perfect, until I'm just so prepared. Steps of faith sometimes we have to do. Abraham, it says that he went by faith. And it says there that he didn't even know where he was going. In other words, he didn't know it all yet. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't have all the steps yet. Sometimes that's a problem we have too. Unless you give me all the steps that lead exactly where I'm going. You know, you, you punch in on your, on your phone there, you know, where you want to go, and it says, okay. Uh, if you, you can look at it, it'll show you all the steps involved. 
But when you're using it, you're not looking at all the steps. You're only looking at what? The first step. Do that step. Turn here. And then, it, and then once you do that, it tells you what the next step is, right? You all know this, right? Unless you're still in the dark ages and you have a flip phone. And then I, I wish I could go back to a flip phone, to be honest with you. <clears throat> he didn't know where he was going. Matthew Henry, the, the great preacher, said he put himself into the hand of God to send him wherever he pleased. He put himself into the hand of God. That's, that's what you and I need to do. Again, looking at Abraham, he's not a perfect person, but there's an example there for you and I to follow. Another commentator said this, that Abraham, he would go out knowing that it was right to do so, but not knowing where it would all lead. To leave the certainties one knows and go out into what is quite unknown Relying on nothing other than the word of God is the essence of faith. You see, even, even become a, becoming a follower of Jesus, and we played that song today, Chris played it for us, I'm going to follow Jesus all the way home to heaven. Even becoming a follower of Jesus, there is a sense where you don't know where that, you know what the final destination is, eternal life, but you don't know what that's all going to entail. If you did, the way I look at it, if, if I knew all the steps, I may not take the first step. So in a sense, we want to know all the steps. But then if we did know all the steps, we say, no way, I'm not, I can't do it. No, not going to happen. So then we don't do anything. But Abraham, he, he just relied that on God saying, just it's time to go and you need to do this. And he went. And as this commentator said, it's the essence of faith, relying on nothing other than the Word of God. Look at verse 9 here in Hebrews chapter 11. It says that by faith, and again, this chapter is the hall of faith, and it talks about faith having our trust and our faith in God Almighty. It says, by faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. By faith. How did he live? He made his home there in the promised land, but there's something that we see in the life of Abraham that I think we also need to grab a hold of, is that he lived like a stranger. He lived like a stranger there. It was the promised land, and God was going to give it to him and to his descendants, but even Isaac and Jacob. But you know, Abraham, he, he, he never had a house built there. He lived in tents. Temporary structures. Peter talks about, uh, the apostle Peter talks about us being strangers and aliens in the world. Now, if we, if we feel so comfortable here, like this is, this is where I belong and this is my home, well, maybe, maybe we don't really understand what God has prepared for us. Maybe uh, we're not grasping what, what Abraham was, was living like here. He lived in, a, in, in the promised land, yes, but it was like a stranger in a foreign country. It's like, I don't really fit in here. Someone else said, you know, that 
it was going to be a long time for these promises to be fulfilled. And some of them were, were not even going to be fulfilled in his lifetime. But they would be fulfilled, as we'll see when we get to uh, Genesis 12. So the question is, how, how did he do it? How did he survive? How did, you know, he left his home with all of his family. He probably had a nice house there. If you research it, he, you know, he came from a very wealthy background. He had, he had it all back there. Very idolatrous, but he had it all. But then God called him and he said, I'm going to follow God where God wants me to go. He ends up here. He doesn't have a house. He's moving around from place to place. Well, you know, why don't I just go back? Later on in Hebrews it says, you know, they, had, they could have gone back to where they were, but they decided to follow after God. How did he do it? Look at verse 10. It says, for he did all that for or because he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. How did he survive? Because he, he was looking forward. His eyes were ahead. When we get so fixed on what's happening here and now, all it leads to, in my estimation, is depression. But when we keep our eyes fixed, his, he says he was looking ahead to the city with foundations. His eyes were looking ahead to this place that, that was built, whose architect and builder is God. We're, we're, we're talking about the heavenly city, aren't we? You read about it in the book of Revelation. Now Canaan, the land of Canaan was the promised land, yes. But it was only a temporary promised land. The ultimate promised land is heaven. We're following all the way home to heaven, following Jesus. How do we keep going? We keep our eyes on, on heaven, on, on, on that which is ahead. We keep our eyes looking forward. We're not looking back all the time. We're not looking all around at the stuff around us. We're keeping our eyes looking forward to heaven. You, you know the song, uh, I think it's a song, This World is Not My Home, I'm Just Passing Through. Is that a song? Yeah, you want to sing it for us? Okay. <laughs> Practice it, and then next week, how about that? <laughs> this world isn't our home. We're, we're just passing through here, and, and we need to understand that. Look at verse 16 there in chapter 11. It says, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. He's prepared a place for us. And, and yeah, we, we may not see it during this short life that we have, but we will see it. Chapter 13 in Hebrews, it says here, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. So there's this concept in Hebrews 11, Hebrews chapter 13, that we're looking ahead for the city that is to come. It's not always going to be this way. I heard a guy talking on the radio yesterday. You know, it, it's not always going to be like this. We have something to look forward to. Paul said in... Philippians chapter 3, he said that our citizenship is in Rhode Island. Is that what he said? Hey, you don't live here. Watch out. 
Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship, that's, that's who we're, we're, you know, that's what our passport, I talked to somebody at the festival and they said, you know what, they had emigrated to this state, to this country, and they had a blue passport. And she said it like three times. I've got the blue passport. Now, if you have a passport, you know, the United States passport is dark blue. And so you know that. And, and, but, but, you know, every country, they're all different. I've seen red passports. I've seen all different color passports. But dark blue. But you and I, you know, I have a passport, and it says United States of America, but, but that, that's not my home country. I'm just a stranger here. My home country, my citizenship papers say heaven. And guess who signed at the bottom of it? Jesus did. He's the one who got me the papers to go there. Paul says from that, that we have our citizenship in, in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven, but not only are we going to go there, but he's going to transform these lowly bodies. You know, it's so true. The older you get, you know, you have conversations with your friends. The older you get, guess what you talk about? Your doctor's appointments, the, you, know, the, the, you know, the rheumatism, the, the, the different problems you have, you know, how's your heart doing? You know, it's these kinds of things that you talk about. Why? Because they're breaking down. I, I think they start breaking down what? At age what? 40. <laughs> I think it's early. I think it starts the day we're born, really. We're, we're, we're kind of heading in that direction. Yeah, we're growing and we, things are getting good, but, but problems can develop even from birth. We're not meant to be in these bodies forever. He's going to transform these lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. And, and I look forward to that. You look forward to that? Man, I'm going to have like hair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like muscular. I saw a guy yesterday, he had, the, he had arms that were like this, I'm telling you what. He, you know, he's, he could kind of barely, anyways. Our citizenship is in heaven. Let's turn back to Genesis chapter 12 now. We're going to look at some verses there. Put them together with our verses in Hebrews. Again, Hebrews is kind of like our template for how we're going looking at different characters and people in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 12, God's word to Abraham, we see it, what God said to him. In verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, I read this already, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the, the word that God spoke to Abraham. What God would do. We see it over and over. Those words, I will, I will, I will. The only you will that... that uh, 
that stands out to me is in, in verse 2, the bottom of it says, you will be a blessing. Why? Because of what God will do. In fact, uh, some have said that the English, the, the verbs used there says, be a blessing. It's kind of like a command. Be a blessing, Abraham. But look at all the things that God said that he would do. He said, uh, he said in verse 1, he says, I will show you. Go to the land that I will show you. So God said, I will show you where to go. Abraham didn't know it all, but did God lead him and show him? Yes, he did. Every step of the way. He says, I will make you into a great nation. Did he do that? Yes, God made Abraham into a great nation. He said, I will bless you. Did God bless Abraham? Yes, he did. Amazingly. I will make your name great. The name of Abraham is held in high regard. It's held in high regard by Jews, by Christians, and even by Muslims. The name of Abraham is held in high regard. He says, I will bless those who, will, who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And there's something about this that I think you and I need to pay attention to. How do we treat the nation of Israel? How do we treat God's chosen people. It's something that, that you know, uh, we've seen it in the news recently. One of the, one of the uh, uh, candidates uh, for president said, you know, we're going to stop doing anything for the nation of Israel. If I become president, we're going to cut them off. David Guzik says, this promise inherited by the covenant descendants of Abram, the Jewish people, remains true today. And it absolutely does remain true today. He said, it's a root, for the, a root reason for the decline and death of many empires. This has been a problem in our country. For, for a long, long time, we, are, we have been backers. We have been uh, standing solidly, solidly behind the nation of Israel. But that has not been true recently, has it? It's a scary thing when you think about it. Donald Barnhouse, who was a pastor in Philadelphia for many years, he said this, historically speaking, nations that have treated the Jewish people well have often been blessed. And I think that's one of the reasons why the United States of America has been blessed, as we have been. He goes on to say, when the Greeks overran Palestine and they desecrated the altar in the Jewish temple, they were soon conquered by Rome. When Rome killed Paul and many others and destroyed Jerusalem under Titus, Rome soon fell. Spain was reduced to a fifth-rate nation after the Inquisition against the Jews. Poland fell after the pogroms. That's persecution of Jews. And Hitler's Germany went down after its anti-Semitism. Britain lost her empire when she broke her faith with Israel. I shudder to think what will happen if our country actually does turn completely away from supporting the nation of Israel. Why? Because of, the, of this promise that still stands today. But the last part of that word there in verse 3, what does it say? All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What is he talking about there? 
Jesus, absolutely, the Messiah would come. If you look in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, he, 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 he goes back to Abraham, the line of Abraham. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And that's exactly what has happened. So these are all the promises that God had given to this one man. God had a plan and a purpose for him. It's not all the same. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. Each one of us needs to you know, listen to God. What is your plan for my life, for me? What have you called me to do? Look at verse 4 there. It says, so... Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75 years old. He still was fought. Now, he lived, you know, a lot longer than we do. But let's say that was sort of half. So if you're going to live to be about 80, at 40 years old, he, he made this radical change. In our country, we're, we're worrying about, you know, at 40, it's the, you know, the midlife crisis. We're worrying about that. Abram, was all, all he wanted to do was follow God, to do what God called him to do. Again, he was there. He left. God told him to leave. As, we, as I mentioned earlier, he, he left Ur of the Chaldees, and he ended up in Haran. And it says here that he left, and, he, and then he left Haran. He set out from Haran. But, he, but it wasn't until his father passed away. Some, said, some say this, that, that the years in Haran were the wasted years, quote-unquote. Years without progress. I, we don't know. There's, there's nothing else that really is spoken about that. But, but sometimes we do have those years and, and maybe periods in our lives when we're not really following the Lord and we're, we, we've, we've maybe made some steps. We have faith, but we're not really stepping out to do what God's called us to do. And maybe those years are kind of, kind of wasted in a sense. But it's nice to know that all things work together for good and God will even restore, what does it say in the book of Joel, the years that the locusts have eaten. Sometimes God, even those wasted years, perhaps Abram learned some things while he was there. You think of Moses being on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Are those wasted years or did God do something in his life? I think he did. But the point of it all in verse 4 there is that Abram went. He obeyed. It might have taken him a little while to get finally where he was supposed to be, but he obeyed and went. And we see that uh, later in the book of Genesis. Uh, God told him to circumcise. He immediately did it. Uh, there was a, a, an issue with Hagar, and God told him what to do. He immediately did it. And we'll see later in chapter 22 where God asks him to take his son Isaac. And it says that he did it immediately. Verse 5, he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram 
when he's there now, it's a, he, he, he's there and the Lord appears to him. He says, to your offspring, I will give this land to your offspring. We're going to talk about that next week. He didn't have any kids at this point in time, and he was like wicked old. So what did Abraham do? What did Abram do? He, it says there, he built an altar there to Yahweh, the Lord, who had appeared to him. And from there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Two times we see it. The Lord appears to Abram. God, God you know, reveals himself and his word to this man, this one man. And what does Abram do? It says he builds an altar to the Lord. He moves on and... There again, it says he builds another altar and he calls on the name of the Lord. This guy, he's always building altars. You know, chapter 13, he, he builds another altar. Chapter 22, he builds another altar. This guy's always building altars. Now, in application to ourselves, does that mean we need to go in our backyard and like build a stone altar there and start sacrificing animals or whatever on it? No. We don't need to do that. But an altar, when you think about it, an altar is a place of worship and a place of thanks. That's what he was. He was, he was worshiping God. And I think that you and I as Christians, we, we also need to have these altars, these altars in our hearts and lives. David Guzik, and I mentioned him a lot, he's, he, what a great Bible teacher he is. He says Christians have an altar also. So what do we do at this altar? Number one, we meet there with God. It's where we meet with God. Do you have a, an altar, a place in your heart and in your life where you meet with God? If you don't, you need one. If you're a believer, if you have faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you need a place, you need a time where you meet with God. Number two, we... It's a place where we remember what Jesus did for us. That he loved us, that he gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's an altar where we remember what Jesus did. He was the sacrifice. Number three, it's where we, where we submit to God, as Paul said, as living sacrifices. Maybe that's just part of our, our life where the, this altar where we just say, you know what, I just give it all to you. I, I lay it all before you. I was thinking about that hymn uh, during the night where he says, all to Jesus, I surrender. Someone want to sing it for me? No. What's wrong with you people? I surrender all. I surrender all. I lay it all before you. Do you have that altar in your life? Do I have that in my life? I just lay it all before to, to submit and surrender to God as living sacrifices. But number four, also where we offer the sacrifice of praise. That, that place where we just worship. We just give him praise. We, we do it here together. We, 
But do you do it in your own heart, in your own life as well? Do you give you those songs in the night where we, where we sing and, and sing unto the Lord? Abram, he built these altars, and I, you know we need them in our own lives as well. We do. But like I said, I don't want to see no you know, bricks out in your backyard. It's an altar of the heart. Altar of the heart. So this man, Abram, Abraham, the faith that he had, the journey that he had where he was just trusting God and, and worshiping him. And, and uh, Warren Wearsby said this, Abraham, he believed God when he didn't know where, he didn't know how, he didn't know when, and he didn't know why. But he believed God no matter what. If you don't have all the answers, it was faith in God's word that made him leave his home. Faith in God. Someone else said this, that he left his family, he left his friends to go to a place he had never seen, not knowing what it was like or how to get there because God told him to go. You say, well, you know, God never told me anything. Really? Have you been listening? Are you reading his word? Because I, I believe God speaks. God speaks by his word and God is still speaking today. And he has a plan and a purpose for you and for me. It's not, it's not just some religion where we just go, we do our thing, we go to church, we put the money. We No, this is a, a relationship, a pilgrimage in this life. It's a journey. It's, it's built upon faith that we're following after God and we need to follow him day by day by day. Is that easy? No, it's not easy. But again, how can we do it? Why do we do it? Because... Like Abraham, we're looking ahead. We're looking forward even beyond this life. The faith and the journey of Abraham. What a guy, huh? But you know what? God says it about you and me too. What a guy, what a girl. And I want you to follow me. Jesus said it to his disciples, right? What did he say? Follow me. Follow me. That's what he wants from you and from me today. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this man Abraham. He wasn't perfect, but he did his best. He, he blew it a lot of times. I think about what he did with his wife. He got her into some trouble a couple of times. And yet, he was a man of faith. He was a man who followed you, he met a man who who did his best to take those steps that you showed him and to walk the walk, to live the life. Lord, I pray you'd help each one of us to, to do the same thing we follow. He's the, the father of all who believe, the example. Just a man who said yes. Pray that we would be those people in our daily lives and in our jobs and our homes and our interactions with the world around us in our church. There's people who follow you. Because we're all going to the same location. It's called heaven. For all who have trusted in Jesus Christ, we received eternal life and we will be going home to heaven. 
Maybe there's some here today, Lord, you're, that you're asking the Lord, what is it you want me to do? Well, God will show you. I believe, I truly believe. I, I've seen it, I've experienced it. I've seen it in many, many other lives that God will show you. And, and if you trust him, he'll show you. Just lay it all before him. Surrender and submit at that altar of your heart. Be willing to step out, even though you only see one step. And maybe there's some here today who've never, never surrendered to Jesus. Today's a good day. To open your heart and life and say yes to Jesus who's knocking, who's, who wants to, to be your Lord and be your Savior and take you home to heaven and be a part of his family. And all you have to do is say yes. Jesus, I believe in you. I open my heart and my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's stand and sing together, please.